Guys, mental health is something that Dan and I are extremely passionate about, which is why it excites us to say that we are partnering with BetterHelp for sponsoring this episode and our podcast. BetterHelp is the world's leading therapy service, and it's 100% online. With BetterHelp, you can tap into a network of over 30,000 licensed and experienced therapists who can help you with a wide range of issues. To get started, you just answer a few questions about your needs and preferences in therapy. That way, BetterHelp can match you with the right therapist from their network. Then you can talk to your therapist however you feel comfortable, whether it's via text, chat, phone, or video call. You can message your therapist at any time and schedule live sessions when it's convenient for you. If your therapist isn't the right fit for any reason, you can switch to a new therapist at no additional charge. With BetterHelp, you get the same professional and quality you expect from in-office therapy, but with a therapist who is custom-picked for you, more scheduling flexibility, and at a more affordable price. Get 10% off your first month at BetterHelp.com slash BacksideGroundBalls. That's BetterHelp, H-E-L-P, dot com slash BacksideGroundBalls. by Riverside. And welcome back to the Backside Ground Balls podcast. I'm super excited to be back here sitting across my good friend and co-host since the beginning. Dan Galati. My name is Trevor Powers. We're back here for episode 100. Phoebe's enjoying her vacation, so we don't have her tonight. We wish her well on vacation with her family, but Dan and I are going to get back on here for the century mark, right? Dan, they say the average podcast lasts eight episodes. We're at 100, and we're pretty much, I, I mean, I think Three days, no, five days from today will be 365 days from our la- our first podcast episode, and we're sitting here at 100. How did we get here? I don't know. <laughs> I'm excited that we're here, but I can't believe that we're sitting here 100 episodes deep. The f- to think that we've done this that many times, because I don't know about you, but for me, like, yeah, you get it. You get used to it, and you kind of we we've kind of learned together how to make this show a thing. Um, but to be sitting here and thinking that we've done this a hundred times now is kind of ridiculous to me. Uh, I didn't think it would last this long. Just a little bit of behind the the curtains. I I don't know why I didn't think that. I just think when we started talking about it and doing it, we kind of had these visions. But you never know what it's what's going to happen in your life or or whether we would get tired of doing it, but I think we're both having just as much fun or even more fun than when we started. We've definitely are more comfortable on here. I remember if you go way back to the beginning, I was hosting it and I was never comfortable hosting it, to be honest with you. Uh, and I've gotten tons of reviews about how good you are at it. So I, I think we made the right decision there, but I just obviously like a, a thank you to the people that actually have tuned in uh, and continue to tune in. That's why we keep doing it. Obviously our, our three wonderful sponsors, uh, because they've made this kind of uh, 
possible, I guess, to get to 100. And, and uh, you know, the help that we've had, Phoebe, who's doing what college-age people in, in the summer should do, and she's on vacation, and I hope she's enjoying it instead of sitting here slumming it with me and you. Uh, Amelia, who's come on and, and helped us with the socials. Like, we've had – we've built this kind of s- small community now, and it's pretty cool that we've gotten to 100 episodes. Um, but it's been a blast. This is awesome. <laughs> yeah, I mean I- – I'd be remiss to to not give a huge shout out, obviously, to Phoebe and Amelia, who have made the last month, month and a half, and in, in terms of our growth, have seemed to be starting to be exponential compared to what it was before, right? When it was just us two, kind of, kind of hacking it away at at our computer and and trying our best to to kind of do our best, and you know, it's just crazy to think about that. You know, I never knew what this would entail. I think we always enjoyed doing it. I think when you look back a year ago, we obviously just had our itch for baseball and that's what we wanted to do for it. You know, obviously we're, we're arrogant enough to believe that we're smart enough to do this. So there's definitely that aspect and element of, of getting on here and talking, but just we were reminiscing off air about just everything that comes with it. Right. This episode laughing about this, uh, these guests that we had early, you know, and, and the guests that have taken a shot on us and how we've grown into, you know, really getting the guests that we've had recently, the funny episodes like Dan, you know, talking about his trip to Athens, Georgia and, and all the things. And then obviously the stretch of time that we had Colin on Colin's a huge thanks to, to be on here and 100% for our listeners that were around for that time. And then, intend to stick around for the future. Colin will be back. It's just a matter of, you know, playing in triple ball. It's, it's a little bit harder than, than Dan and I on our regular nine to five. And (laughs) plus he's in a different time zone to link up and and get on the pod on a consistent basis. So getting Colin back and obviously getting his wealth of knowledge mixed in with Dan and I's wealth of knowledge. And it's awesome. I mean, like I said, we're we're five days away. We're three hundred sixty days from our first episode. We're we're five days away, and and it's really cool to look back at you know those episodes and just think. I mean, this would be a question I'd ask you, and and I kind of think, in my opinion, like I thought in terms of content, they were pretty good, at least from my perspective. I mean, the Let's Make a Deal episode was one of the most fun episodes I'd ever had. And and that was our debut episode. And and looking back at that episode, the way we went about it, how we handled that episode, I, I thought those episodes were, were pretty fun. Yeah, oh, for sure. Uh, I think some of the more fun episodes we've done were when we were, there was a stretch there where we kept like recording it like 945 and we were both kind of out of our minds. Um, and if you kind of look at the episode recaps, there's like a stretch there stuff like titles like the Italians give cooking lessons, uh, everything but baseball, which is a really fun one. And uh, do we need to recap? Because that I feel like we haven't talked about golf on here as much as we used to. And everything but baseball was a lot of, of our golf trials and tribulations. I feel like we've both grown within the game since uh, since that episode back in September. I feel like we've both uh, improved our golf games. Expon- you want to talk about exponential growth. Trev, the golf has been has seen it. It's like been like a meteoric rise from you and me. You don't miss a fairway off the tee. Yeah, well, I mean that's that's <laughs> a credit to Phoebe for keeping us in line and not allowing us to talk about golf on our, on our recorded time because 
we have to be respectful of everybody's time, not only <laughs> our listeners, but also, you know, Phoebe's and mine and yours. So I think it is ironic that we don't, you know, dabble in the everything but baseball episodes that we had to, we felt the need to dive in at that point in time. And, and it, it's funny because we, we come so much more well prepared for these episodes now. And back then, not to say that we didn't come prepared, but there were a lot of times where we would just get on here and be like, what do you want to talk about? I, <laughs> I honestly have no idea what I want to talk about. And Again, that's a credit to Phoebe for keeping us, you know, disciplined and in line. Um, you know, I mean, and even two weeks after the every everything but baseball episode, because um, I'm not going to sit here and, and gaslight myself for for my ability to get off the tee box and play because the rest of the game doesn't exactly go as smooth as that. But for the wild card preview, it, the beginning line of the description is coming live from the Honda Accord because we recorded an episode while you drove to Delaware from North Carolina. That was actually good. That was a good episode too. I feel like I feel like we got into some good conversation. It was late. I feel like it was pretty. I was I was doing a late night drive. I think I was going up for a wedding. And uh, shout out Chase and Courtney. Um, but the, and and I think that was right after Mike Leach passed. Rest in peace. So we we dug into some some coaching stuff on that one. Um, that was just a, a a ton of fun. I remember. I feel like we've done too many podcasts from cars. I feel like there were more than just that one. Or is that the only time we've ever done it? No, that had to be because you just said. I do remember now that you brought that up. Was I the do Leach remember one later? doing the Leach one later. Um, and this was one Christmas. was, this one was during, in October. So I don't know exactly where you were coming from. I'm trying to read the description here, but it was right before the wild, wild card weekend. You were obviously gung ho about your Philadelphia Phillies, uh, heading out to St. Louis to, to take on the Cardinals. So I don't know exactly what, where you were heading for that one, but it, it's kind of funny to, uh, to look back and reminisce on that one and, and just kind of laugh at at the fact the absurdity not that we wouldn't do it again because i 100 percent would do it again uh but you know in terms of if there's any police officers that might be up and down the i-95 corridor that we might be traveling if you see a honda accord with some nc tags rolling down the highway and it looks like the guy's recording a podcast you just know there's it's the only it's the one and only dan galati yeah <laughs> yeah if you see someone completely distracted with a uh uh a video up of I guess you sitting on the other side that's me um there's also just real quick because then I have a question for you about some of this stuff but there was an episode I don't know if you remember this you talk about one of the most fun ones if we have anyone loyal enough to actually have been here since last July there was an episode where you and I spent the first 20 minutes um I think it was a Sunday night and we spent the first 20 minutes just talking about uh food on the road in division two and division three baseball do you remember this Yes, I do. There was like yes. 20 minutes worth of just us talking about wa soggy wah-wah hoagies. Yep. Um, so again, all of this to say, I don't know how we've made it to 100 episodes from where we came from. But yeah, I mean, obviously, hopefully things are a little bit more structured and, and um, excited for, for the future of, of what we continue to do. Because I think you and I have held true to one thing, and that's that as long as this is fun for us, we're going to keep doing it. We don't care how many people tune in. Thankfully, there's a good amount of you who have decided to tune in, and um, that's pretty special. But um, some of the guests we've had on here, um, obviously a lot of personal connections, but we've gotten, I think what 
been so cool for me is so many people that we didn't know. Um, here's a peek behind the curtain for the listeners. Like we don't know a lot of the guests that we get on here. We just reach out and see if they're interested in talking ball. And I think that's one of the cool parts about baseball sometimes is that you can do that. And we just say, this is who we are. We want to have you on. And so many people just give us immediate yeses. Um, and we've had a lot of, I mean, even that stretch just back a month ago during the college world series, when we had Les Johns and, and Jamie Plunkett and, um, and those guys on from 247 Sports when we, we kind of had morphed into a 247 uh, podcast here. But they all didn't know who we were and just agreed to come on. Um, Tyson, who we knew through a friend of a friend, you know, was a friend of a friend. And, and he jumps on with us and gives us an hour plus of his time. And everyone's been so grateful. Do you have any uh, – I'm going to put you on the spot. Who's your favorite guest? I mean, I – No, come on. Come on. There's only one I don't um, want you to say, so you can't go wrong. Yeah, um, I, I would say just because of the timing and the the person that they are, it would probably be Carlos, um, because at that point in time, uh, and that's Carlos Colazo for our listeners. That was episode um, probably a couple months ago before the season, March ninth. Um, we had yeah. got him on March ninth uh, when he spent almost two hours of his time to sit down and talk with us. Just looking back at the timing of when we had that episode, where we were at, and being able to to connect with a guy that I know we both follow and and really value his opinion when it comes to everything baseball prospects, draft, MLB organization, conversation. I would probably say that was my favorite just because looking back, getting an hour 45 out of him, um, just feeling like – I mean, there were parts of that conversation and that I sat back and I was like, this is awesome. Like, this is really cool. This is a really cool opportunity to, to get to talk to a guy who, you know, like I said, we, we both follow and, and really value his opinion. It was, it was really cool moments. I remember it, it was the quickest hour 45 I'd ever had talking ball. Yeah. That it went really smoothly too, which I think was, uh, we were still in kind of our infancy of interviewing people and we were still kind of you and I, like we, we learned how to interview on the fly, you and I, like we had never interviewed anyone for anything really. Um, and then here we were doing this and we were just kind of trying to figure out how to, how to structure it and how to ask questions and, and get answers and kind of have the conversation feel free flowing. And, and, and that did go really well. Um, what about least favorite? No, you don't have to answer. Least favorite. Answer no, that. I'm not gonna you do that. I'm not gonna do that. But for <laughs> for any of our listeners that have been with us since day one, you know, Dan and I would like to take a moment to thank our sponsors over at SeatGeek. SeatGeek is a mobile ticketing app that allows users to buy and sell tickets to sports games, concerts, and other live events. SeatGeek would like to give our listeners twenty dollars off. That's right. $20 off their first purchase. All you have to do is head over to SeatGeek.com, use our promo code BACKSIDEGROUNDBALLS, and you will receive that $20 off your first purchase. So for anybody who wants to get out, we got playoff races hot and heavy. Taylor Swift's apparently going out on a second leg of her tour. Whatever you're going to end up doing, that's the rumors. That's what the, the TikTok algorithm's been putting on my feed um, is that T-Swizzle's going back out again. 
You want to get $20 off those tickets, you head over to SeatGeek.com and use promo code BACKSIDEGROUNDBALL. So we're not going to go into least favorite because everybody who, and I think in a, in a more serious tone, um, anybody who comes on this podcast, again, for, for a behind-the-scenes look for our listeners, every single person that comes on this podcast is dedicating part of their time just out of their true love to talk ball, right? And there's levels to the people that we've had on. You know, we've had on friends, you know, Colin coming back on. And obviously he turned into a co-host because he's such a good friend of ours. Brian Torresani from Arcadia University, Tom Riley, Matt Trait, Tyson, you mentioned is a friend of a friend. All of these people, those people, obviously, we could pick up the phone and call them at any instant. But a lot of times the people, when they hop on this video chat and they we admit them into our conversation here, that's the first time we've ever seen these people. That's the first time we've ever heard them speak. That's the first time we've talked to them outside of potentially text, Twitter messaging, however we connect. And it really is something that that we're forever grateful for, quite frankly, um, that people do dedicate their time from a busy schedule that really doesn't give them anything, right? They don't they don't get anything from us in particular, um, except just the enjoying the opportunity to talk baseball. And it it really is cool to kind of look back at some of the guests that we've had on, you mentioned the stretch of before the college world series or before the, the NCAA, it was the college world series Mm -hmm. as we were going through the, the regionals, obviously some super fun episodes with some of our former colleagues. And then that stretch of, you know, Matt Mervis, Carlos, Leah van, like all these people back then in that stretch, that was like a two week window. I remember I was on cloud nine, especially after talking to Mervis of being like, man, like this is a guy who's going to hit in the big leagues this year and, and, and hit a couple homers up there and, and being able to have a conversation about hitting on, on the same wavelength was like a, a pinch me moment. This is really cool. Yeah, and, and and let's not forget about Aiden, who was one of the first people we had on that we had. He might have been the first one we ever had on that we didn't know them going into it. And Aiden was another guy who we sat here for well over an hour and we talked for so long, and it, it felt it was awesome just because it was he was such a good dude and and um, still is. Obviously, if you don't follow him on social media, he's constantly posting updates and and getting into fun conversations. His TikTok also does numbers. Um, but Aiden was such a good dude and, and was so fun to talk to uh, just because of the person. And that's kind of the coolest part about this is just the the people that we've gotten on. We've gotten really lucky, that, you know, and, and Les Johns was one of my favorite ones before yeah. the Super Regional at Wake. And I think the timing of that, too, we had just been to Wake. Um, that team was, you know, it was obviously kind of special to us because Colin, you know, that program, we root for him, we pull for him. So to get an inside look at that program from his point of view, and what a good guy he was and, and, and how mm-hmm. much fun that conversation, you know, and, and Jacob Rudner and, and Jamie were great as well um, from Florida and TCU respectively. But Les was like, it was really fun because we, you know, we felt almost that extra connection because he knew Colin on a personal level just from covering the team when Colin played there. And then he hops on with the two of us and, and that was a lot of fun. Um, so we've been, yeah. we've been really, really lucky here. 
Um, extremely lucky. Um, extremely lucky. And and I'll, I'll turn the question over to you. Who, who's been your favorite guest? Um, I kind of took the spotlight on the probably the obvious one. And, and I know there's been a couple solo, just me. Um, you know, like I have, I was the only one that's been on with Ben, Peter, um, and being able to get those guys who were also just phenomenal. Yeah, I, I think, I think, you know, Carlos is obviously really good, one, but Aiden and Les are the ones that, that stick out to me still to this day, um, just how much fun they were. And, and Matt, I mean, the Matt trait one is so funny because, you know, Matt was a good guest, but he and I talk on the phone so dang much that it didn't feel, you know, it was special to have him in this platform and get it recorded and have some of the conversations we did. But, you know, he and Skip both, like, just I talk to those guys a lot. So, you know, I would they're obviously in that category of my favorites because they're two of my favorite people in, in the world. Um, I shouldn't have said that and recorded. Skip's going to go straight to Skip's head. Um, but, but, uh, you know, but having less and, and Aiden on and just how good of people that and wall, I mean, I had watched wall, you know, not creepily, but I had coached against wall when he was in high school and I coached against wall when he was in college. So to get there and, and I never had the opportunity to kind of chop it up with, with Brandon Walter, obviously is what I'm talking about, but they have the opportunity to kind of sit here and talk pitching and his mindset, another guy who he's pitched in the big leagues this year, um, for him to take his time and, and hang out with us and, talk to him I know he he trains with Colin in the offseason but for me to finally get the opportunity to to you know hear his thoughts you know a guy who I've kind of admired since he was you know in high school throwing in in Delaware American Legion baseball when I was coaching against him so that was a that was also a pretty cool one for me yeah yeah no he was he was awesome which which kind of brings me to the the next thing I kind of want to talk about and that's low lights right because when I look back at the Brandon Walter episode, you got you and Colin got to enjoy it. And for again, for the listeners, this is, you know, some some behind the scenes right now is we go to click record. I mean, we're we're off air talking, having a conversation, you know, Colin and him are catching up because Walt had reported to to spring training at that point. Uh Colin was getting ready to head out west. They were catching up, just talking. Everything was good. I mean, there was no questions about, you know, how it was going and, and connection wise, we were good. And I click record, intro the pod and just disappear for like 30 minutes and come back <laughs> sporadically. I'd hear them talking, holding it up. Our, our group chat, you know, we like to use a group chat when we record, especially with guests just to ensure that we, you know, we don't talk over each other or anything that could come into play. And I'm just like, you guys have got to take this home. Like, cause I'm not coming back. I end up restarting my computer, literally going out, grabbing a glass of water. Like I'm like, like, I'm like hanging it up for the night. Somehow the laptop decides to start working again. We regain con- uh, connections. Thanks to our, our other sponsor spectrum. And we're able to, to get back on and, and just seamlessly like, I mean, Brandon handled it like a true pro that he is. No, like didn't bat an eye. Didn't be like, dude, you were gone for 25 minutes. How are you asking me a question right now? Little did I know that the question could have already been answered. I think if I remember correctly, I was shooting a message in the text, like, 
did you guys ask him about this yet? Because I, that's where I want to go or, or whatever. So what's kind of your biggest uh, low light per se of like maybe some technical difficulties that we've experienced um, or anything that, that would be a, kind of funny to look back and reminisce on? Well, there's a couple things. So there's a couple things that pop straight to my mind. And if we're going to give people a peek completely behind the curtain here, we might as well. But I think all of the lowlights, for, for the most part, when you think of lowlights, like it's all technical difficulties that happen. I mean, thankfully, you and Phoebe do a great job of, of picking up any of my mistakes that happen. I mean, we were on with, I think it was Jamie, maybe just a couple, I don't know, a couple weeks ago. And I completely cut out just like you said and I was supposed to ask the next question you got you gave me a beat and told him that hey this is this like he's he was gonna ask you a question I think he froze and then you just asked the question uh you picked me up and asked a question and then Phoebe edited it out so nobody knew that that happened but that panic that you have that like five seconds of panic yeah. especially when you have a guest on and the connect yes. like right now if you were to freeze or if I was to freeze, no like it doesn't no matter. One of us will carry it. We'll change the subject if we have to. We'll figure. We can pretty much tell what the other one's talking about. But that moment when you have a guest on and it happens, it's pure panic for like five seconds until you figure it out. I think there was. It might have been with Tyson when we had changed a setting on Riverside, and it like Riverside was telling me for the first five minutes that like you're not going to be recorded. You can't. Talk. Yeah. Basically, you cannot yep. talk on this episode. That was and Tyson. And here we have yep. going into an, an episode with Tyson. Luckily, we had a backup file for that. That was pretty good. Um, <laughs> <laughs> some content things like I I don't think I was at my best to be honest when we had Leah on. Um, I you know it was just sometimes again to be completely honest with people. This isn't our full-time job, so sometimes prep might not be at the best. Uh, you really had to carry me through the Leah episode. I remember the whole time I was like, I don't know where I want to go with this. I was, I struggled. I limped through that one. Um, she was a pro, though, like you said. Uh, all these people have been. She was a pro. She was. She handled it. She dominated that episode. It was a fantastic episode. Little did we know we were talking about the future national champions. And then content-wise, you know, we kissed the flag and had a whole episode about the, the Pittsburgh Pirates who are dead last in the NL Central. I was, you know, could have made better choices. And we also had an episode last year where we we crowned the New York Mets champions after a, an August series against the Braves. Um, that didn't pan yeah. out well. So there's a couple of those that you They like aren't always back. winners. Yeah, no, there's, but, you know. There's there's also a couple now that I, I look back at it too, um, having to pause the episode or stop the episode in the middle with Skip because the dog started barking mm. and he recorded. <laughs> in, granted, the, for anybody who doesn't know, this episode was recorded on February 6th and he did the whole episode outside. Outdoors. <laughs> outdoors pre pre big youtube for us where we were where we were posting clips out and the he was taking the dog out we had started recording he sits down he's hanging out the dog wants to go back outside because again it's <laughs> cold February, it's cold and we had to stop the episode in the middle edit that out really nicely the tyson one i had completely forgot about that one we had made a switch to the settings it didn't record where Dan was still active, but it didn't record it on the good recording. We had to record, 
take all the backs backup files, overlap them. Like it was like that was a nightmare. Um, but that one turned out like I remember the full panic when I got to the end of the episode and it just like Dan Galati did not record a single minute. And I'm like, wait, what? What do you mean it didn't record? Like I'm gonna have to tell this dude, like, sorry, we just recorded an episode and it's not going anywhere. Like we're like won't, won't see the light about, of day. Yeah, like I'm thinking about cutting out all of Dan's questions and then I'm like, uh oh. And then we were able to we were able to to pull that one back out and and go back and I don't know it's that's funny and and so on the opposite end there obviously low lights are pretty funny there um but what are some some positives that as we scan back and and look back at the at the past where maybe just a little quicker here because obviously we do want to talk about some other stuff where like you look back at these this episode and we talked about this on on this date and you're like, I think we didn't, we don't get enough credit for for having that perspective at that point in time. Uh, there's a couple things. I mean, the first thing I, I got to say is is just, you know, I don't want to beat it to death, but like how this is this is allowed you and you know, I don't, I can't think of a lot of low lights. I couldn't think of a lot of low lights because of how much fun this has been for us. And so even if stuff like that happens, it doesn't feel like a low light ever. Um, just because we're doing this again, just to kind of, you know, enjoy our time and, and, and pastime essentially and, and stay connected to baseball. And it's, it's definitely been a, a good vehicle for that. And, uh, has been, you know, I, I look forward to doing this. I think you do as yep. well. And, and it's a blast. Um, uh, some of the things that we were, we were on, um, I'm trying to find a date. It was right after we had started recording. It was, I think August last year, but I think it's the, the rise of the Orioles. I know there was an episode in there where we talked yeah, about the, how the Orioles and guardians rise. And we talked about the Orioles and how well they were positioned and set up to be, um, potential players this year. And we talked about how they might be a year early in that second half last year, and but look how good this team is look who's coming down the pike to potentially be in that that on that big league roster this season that we're in currently as we sit here and they're 61 and 38 and two games ahead of the Rays for first place in the AL East and it's July 23rd and I don't know how many people were sitting there predicting that but me and you sat here a year ago and um, kind of saw that coming um, and we're on top of that and we've, we've been big fans of the, the Orioles for um, I think quite some time, uh, mm -hmm. and, and, you know, there's been some other episodes that I've just really, uh, I mean, we also, I mean, Mets fans should just come to us to tell them how exactly what's going to happen to them. Because I joked about us making that, that episode about them winning the world series. It was completely sarcastic the whole episode because they had just won a series in August. We told yep. them that the Braves were going to win the division. We told them that the Mets weren't going to succeed in the playoffs. We yep. all preview season this year leading up to opening day we said this roster is flawed and mm -hmm. so I, I i think we're we are known as mets haters we are hand up we don't like the new york mets we don't love their organization we don't love their fans um we love all backside ground balls fans we love stuff. backside ground balls fans for sure dilly i love i love you dilly um but i think that we're always right about the Mets. Yeah. 
We're not wrong yeah. when we talk no, about them. We, we the Lindor thing pinned. was a little bit off base by me, but yeah. everything other than that. <laughs> That's a low light. <laughs> that is a low light. I forgot. I shouldn't have forgotten about that. I was crazy on the Lindor thing, but that was bias. That was good content. Yeah. That was, let's be honest. Yeah, that was good content. We should have. We really should have maximized that clip opportunity <laughs> a little bit more. Um, yeah, no that that's that is a good one. I will say. Um, Probably the one that I think of when look back because I was going to talk about that episode specifically of us kind of almost we we pretty much predicted how the how the NL East was going to unfold last year um, that the Braves weren't going anywhere this lineup is better than it's ever been better than the team that won the World Series better than you know they have Ronald Acuna now healthy and I mean year to date almost. I think it, we look even smarter. Like last year, oh. it was like, yeah, like it felt good to know that the Braves ended up winning the division and coming back and knowing that in August of last year. Sitting today, the way we talked about that offense, the way we talked about that that team, that organization, the credit we've given the Braves now looks very smart in hindsight. Um, so that's definitely one. I will say the one thing is – that I look back, you know, I, I think at the beginning we spent a lot more time talking about player development specifically, and and not that we've branched off from that, but we we don't as much. But when you look at the the revival of the stolen base, right? Um, and I think that's something that we had talked about as early as August, September of last year. Yeah. The Orioles were dabbling in it with. Uh, I believe probably the Orioles rise episode because Jorge Mateo and, and the element that they were doing with that. And the Yankees were pushing IKF to run more. And obviously the change of the rules and how that impacts stolen bases and, and all of that is, is a factor. There's, there's no doubt about that, but we were kind of ahead on that of saying that I think there are outside factors that are factoring into why organizations are pushing the stolen base more. And we've kind of just seen last year was the crack in the dam, right? This year, the whole, the floodgates have opened and you're seeing every organization with anybody that can run stealing bases. We got guys in the thirties, guys in the forties, and we're sitting here in July. We're not even at the trade deadline yet. That was foreign in the past three to five years. And I really do think that, you know, for people that have been here from day one, they had heard about organizations maybe pushing their guys to to run more and, and the value of getting themselves to second base, assuming they could run at a 70 to 80% clip way before you ever saw it really coming to, to fruition across the MLB. Yes. I mean, I, we were all over that in the, and I think even going back to the Braves point, the AL East or the NL East preview we did this year, I think we had even mentioned that we saw the Braves running away with this thing. And a lot of people talked about the Phillies and the Mets challenging the Braves for that division and it being, you know, a tight race like it was last year. And you and I looked at the rosters and we're like, I don't know, this Braves roster feels like the best potentially in baseball and the other two don't. Um, and so I feel like we were on top of that as well. And, and this, yeah, I mean, I think some of the player development stuff, I mean, Everybody now has kind of caught on to the Kevin Long thing. We were talking about Kevin Long last summer. Um, I know we did a, an episode, I think, talking about it was late in the summer. Uh, I want to say it was right before I had moved down to North Carolina, so August. And we talked about um, Max Muncy, and we talked about mm-hmm. Kevin Long. Sweet song and dance. 
Oh, here you go. Sweet Song of Dance. August oh, of yeah, 2022, yeah. yep. Yeah, and I think we had talked about a lot of what you, you've kind of seen a lot with the Braves, um, which I know you and I want to get an episode soon talking about that offense. But, yep. um, yeah, I think we've we've hit some good ones that uh, maybe we don't get enough credit for. You know, and look, people let us know when we say stuff that's wrong. Baez, <laughs> uh, when we bash the Marlins roster construction, which did they win today? Because they, yeah, they, they had lost eight in a row, so they just broke uh, Ironically, history, just so. for the Backside Ground Balls podcast, Luis Arias hit a walk-off single. Um, oh, good so for the single. Was, good for him. Um, yeah, but it, it's funny because you're talking about it. Like when you look at the, the episodes that we – and it's probably because our brains were a lot closer to being on the player development mold at that point in time, but – I mean, you're right. Like there were a lot of episodes back there then where it wasn't, you know, roster construction, standings talk, trade deadline talk. Like it was nitty gritty, you know, deep dive on Alex Bregman, deep dive on Max Muncy, deep dive on Corbin Burns, you know, deep dive on, on why, you know, the analytics behind why the Mets were good and why we think that the Braves would be good moving forward. And, and just every episode looking back at those uh, is super informative for anybody, um, you know, that does want to listen to some player. I think all the stuff that we talked about um, is still relevant today, um, except for our below average golf, um, maybe. <laughs> um, so it uh it's it's cool to look back at that and and kind of see where we're at um but do you have any closing thoughts on our on our last 100 because i do want to kind of give a glimpse on on at least where our heads are at for hopefully our next 100 uh you know it's it's been fun and and uh thank you to everyone who's been with us and hopefully you stick with us in the future and bring some friends along Yes, and make sure you're sharing with five friends because that's the that's the best way to grow the podcast. So, Dan, I mean, before we get into a little bit of MLB talk, and, and obviously um, we want to get caught up on how that's been, the next 100 episodes, right? I mean, I think you mentioned that you didn't expect to get here. I think if I said it, I didn't expect to get 100 because I didn't think we were going to be doing three episodes a week. I thought 100 was going to take 100 weeks, which 100 weeks is almost two full years. And, yeah. and you know, it, it, it becomes a grind at times. I know, especially when I was looking back, working at UPS and, and doing that kind of work, we were not recording as much as, as we are now. And and we're very grateful for that. So, you know, it's ironically working out that 100 episodes comes almost 365 days. So let's say more instead of our next 100 episodes, kind of our next 365. I know me and you talk off air, um, you know, about a lot of our goals and our expectations. And there's no denying that, you know, we want we enjoy doing this. Like you said, as long as we're having fun, we're going to keep getting on a recorded platform. It's how we stay in touch. Obviously we live close to each other, um, but it is a good way for us to, to kind of talk and, and so that we don't feel the need to call each other three times a week and talk for three hours. Um, but big picture goals, you know, I'm going to start for almost what would be probably 11 months from now. I think that a year from today, 11 months from today, we're going to be in Omaha, Nebraska for the College World Series. I think that when you look at what we were able to accomplish for our college baseball content, 
for the perspectives that we're able to bring in a college baseball realm with our experiences and with our connections and being able to utilize that to our best ability. You know, I think there's no reason why at episode, you know, what will hopefully be 185 to, to 190 that we're not recording live from Omaha and potentially looking at, you know, being on site and potentially in a media room for a LSU Wake Forest next year, right? For Chase Burns pitching against Tennessee in a college world series, whatever it is, whatever we can kind of wrap our heads around being realistic possibility. I don't see that as a, out of the realm of possibilities. And I think when we look at our goals moving forward, I think that that's definitely at the top of my list of, of kind of my intentions from, from this podcast. Yeah, you heard it here first. Trev has the Deeks back in Omaha next year, so I'm excited. Uh, that fires me up. Um, oh, yeah. Are you kidding me? They, they have the yeah, best Saturday-Sunday tandem I've ever seen in college baseball. Michael Massey with Chase Burns pitching on Saturdays and Sundays. Yeah, I would not want to see either of those arms. I, I, always used to, I always used to joke, like, Sunday's where you get your knocks. Like, you want to hit 350 yeah. in college baseball season, you get your knocks Mid-week in game and Sundays. Three. Yeah, yeah, midweeks and Sundays. If Michael Massey rolls out for my not Sunday fun. game, dude, not I'm fun. taking my one for 16, <laughs> and I'm praying that pitch shows up to my you're park looking at, next yeah, I was weekend. Gonna say, you're looking at who's on the schedule next week. You're like, who we got? Who we got midweek and next week this yeah. week? I'm hoping we I go one for 16 on with a homer. Just because we're playing in the airport at, at, at the couch. That's it. That's all we're, I'm hoping for. We're like, I, we got, I'm just hoping we got Division State on Wednesday so I can get skipped. I don't need an off day. I need to be in the lineup against Division State. And then who do we got next weekend so that I can, I can get, uh, you know, help the batting average out? Because this weekend is going to take a blow. Because it's going to be just, it's gas too. Like they are just going to be, yeah, it's, that pitching staff is going to be awesome, and and with Moose, I mean, we're not getting, we don't need to get into this, but with Moose too leading the way, um, those guys are going to get better. I'm excited to see what he does with Chase Burns, um, and you and Peter. If you guys haven't listened, discuss this a little bit and uh, on last the last episode, so tune in. But uh, yeah, I, I would love to see us in Omaha, but for me too, um, and I know this is what you mean by saying that, but I'll just put in a broader broader strokes here, um, immunity. Uh, the, growing our community, right? Growing the community that, that it's a small community still that we've created here, but it's been such a fun one. So growing it and seeing what it can develop into, you know, past what we've already, you know, turned it into at this point, the next year, how exciting that can be. And something like being in Omaha is, is like you said, part of growing that community, you know, the listeners, you guys are all very much a part of this as we are. And, and hopefully just the continued growth of what we've started here. And, and, um, Hopefully we're still having as much fun as we are now, you know, in July of 2024, um, a lot more in-person interviews, uh, not only with guests, but in-person episodes with me and you as well. We'll probably be fine. I mean, we do live ridiculously close to constantly do this <laughs> via our yeah. homes, but that's what happens when you have lives. So hopefully our schedules, you know, allow us for a little bit more room to get together to do this. Cause I think we also have more fun couple that we've done together in the same room um and then have you know be able to sit down across the table from a person instead of on 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 the riverside platform would be uh would be pretty sick no that would be awesome and and i definitely think that would probably be the next thing that i'll talk about and you know i think in this you don't want to make promises because you know every time i feel like i tease an episode we end up getting 
having to get something rescheduled because as I said, our guests are, are usually doing it in the, in their own time, in their free time, but the intention to get in person and, and utilize the resources we've had and, and maybe sit down and, and get on campuses, maybe sit down with some, some potential players, do those things in person is probably going to be something that keep it circled uh, coming from the backside ground balls. If, if you think that if you want us to check out your favorite college baseball program and, and you want, you want us to be on site for particularly for a football game for a weekend and on the field, if it, if it uh, pertains to that opportunity, you know, Dan and I aren't going to turn that down, but uh, keep it in mind that, that utilizing our experiences and, and potentially our network to, to get in with, potential coaching staff and, and be able to, to sit down and, and have those conversations in person would be, would be the ultimate goal. And it's something that, that we've obviously discussed and, and we are intending to do everything in our power to achieve. And, you know, obviously none of that's a guarantee. We have to be lucky enough for, for these kind coaches that to, to welcome us in uh, with open arms. But uh, that's, that's something to keep an eye out for as we, as we get to the fall and we get, you know, coaches done with the recruiting all summer and back on campus preparing for their season. Uh, keep in mind that, that, that could be in the, in the, in the future here and, and would be something that I think we'd be, we'd be really excited to do. So um Obviously, it's been a fun 100 episodes. We hope uh, it'll be a fun next 100, a better next 100. Uh, most important thing is to share with five friends so that they can enjoy our next 100 and even dabbling back in our past 100. And And I think that uh, joining the Backside Ground Balls community is something that all baseball fans across college, MLB, players, coaches, just fans, uh, friends of fans, grandma, Grandma might be a fan too. Uh, getting all them to subscribe to the podcast and and having them join the community as much as possible is is the most important thing, and and that's that's what we're looking for. And, and hopefully, a uh, little recap here was was fun for our listeners, and maybe you you have some episodes circled that you want to go back and and re listen to and and enjoy. Uh, you know, maybe we might be a little bit of rusty around the edges compared to what we've grown into, but um, I think it's been a hundred episode, uh, fun one hundred episodes, and I think Dan would agree with that. For sure. It's been a blast. I mean, I think I've said that 98 times tonight. So before we get to 100, let's uh, let's do a little baseball talk. 100%. And the second half post-All-Star break is brought to you by Routine Baseball. I want to take a second to thank our sponsors at Routine Baseball. Routine Baseball offers authentic baseball apparel such as T-shirts, shorts, hoodies, and hats. Their products make the perfect gift for any baseball fan. Routine Baseball wants to give our listeners 10% off their order. Just head over to routine.com slash backside ground ball. That's routine.com slash backside ground ball to receive 10% off your order. Dan, I'll hit you with one more question before we get into the MLB recaps. Who's the guest that you want to have on this podcast in the future? Shoot your shot. Rhett Louder. Bingo. I like that one. I like that Easy. One. Easy. We want rep. All right. All right. We'll, we'll work our uh, – we'll get our agent. We'll get our agent in, in there um, and, and, and try to see if uh, we can get some contacts there with the, with the multimillionaire. Um, 
So MLB recaps. Uh, obviously, we're sitting here. We're post All Star break. Um, All Star break was great. We're post MLB draft, and and some some things are starting to take shape across the MLB. Um, I've been traveling up and down the Eastern seaboard the past two weeks. And, and obviously that, that doesn't give me as much time as I'd want to, to watch baseball, but we've obviously been keeping track of some different things. And the thing that stood out to me and, and Dan, you could, you could correct me if I'm wrong is, is the, the ALE standings, man. If you told me as we sit here on July 23rd, as we record, that the Baltimore Orioles would be sitting in first place, that's after the Tampa Bay Rays started out the season 30-9. and nine. Tampa Bay Rays have gone on to lose seven of their last ten. They've lost two straight to the Orioles, and the Orioles have taken sole possession of first place with a two-game lead. And then the rest of the division, the big money spenders like the Toronto Blue Jays, the New York Yankees, and the Boston Red Sox round out the division. Yes, they all sit at above 500. Uh, the Red Sox are currently sitting five games above 500, so they're obviously a, a good team, and that division is just unfortunately the hardest one in baseball. But I don't think anybody had the Orioles in first place post post all-star break on your bingo card, especially once the Rays started off the season 30 and nine. No, they've just been so impressive. And, and, you know, they've been impressive really since the the middle of last year. And and they continue to kind of outperform expectations a little bit based on what their pitching staff has and what their pitching staff has to offer. I mean, I still think that they're light on the mound. And if there's any concern for them losing this division, it's because of the pitching staff. And if there's any concern for them not being able to make a deep run, it's the pitching staff. But when you watch their team play and you watch the infusion of youth and the way those – I mean, Gunnar Henderson arrived this weekend. He made defensive play after defensive play. He had big swing after big swing this weekend in Tampa for them to take over first place. Now, again, Orioles fans on social media – be excited, be fired up, but pump the brakes. Don't turn into the Mets of last year. The Rays aren't going to go anywhere. The Rays are going to get healthier, if anything. The Rays are still going to be really good. you got a long way to go till the finish line of winning that division. You, I, I know you have a great record, but you're not the Braves where they can kind of start to get ready for the DS here um, because that division's most likely over. You know, the they have a lot of work to do, but it's just enjoy the ride, I guess, is kind of what I'm trying to say. They're so good, and, and it's so fun that that collection of, of young guys and the guys who have been around and done it, done it, you know, Cedric Mullins is one of my favorite players in all of baseball. Unfortunately, he just landed back on the IL, but he's one of my favorite players in all of baseball. Adley Rushman's unbelievable. Gunner's unbelievable. I mean, they're just uh, – they have they have done a great job building that roster up and and they're in now a window that that should last for a long time and when they get help on the mat Grayson Rodriguez last two starts has looked like the guy that I thought we were going to see for the majority of this year uh he's been absolutely outstanding so uh they've been they've been awesome yeah I mean there's two teams across the MLB that are above a 600 winning percentage it's the Baltimore Orioles and the Atlanta Braves they have the second best rush record in in baseball as it stands right now and and Really, I mean, we've heard so much about how good the Braves have been. You know, they're sitting at 30 games above 500. The Orioles are currently sitting pretty darn close there at 27 games above 500. So, I mean, it's been super impressive. I think temper your expectations for what they're going to do at the trade deadline. Um, 
I think that that front office knows that they're not quite there in terms of being a World Series contender. I think, and I maybe I'm the fool here for getting into you know taking the bait that the Baltimore Orioles aren't ready. But you know, you mentioned they they are a little light on the mound. They could use some starting pitching, but I just don't envision them taking a Jackson Holiday and getting a rental. Right. If if there was two and a half years of Shohei Otani potentially out there on the market, I could see them dabble and throw in some prospect at capital at, at that opportunity. I read today that they're gonna be um cautious buyers, so you don't expect anything large, but I, I I wouldn't be surprised if they if they dip their toes in with a, you know, the Mets want to sell Justin Verlander or Max Scherzer. Maybe they go get one of them, big name to to pitch in Baltimore. Maybe if Dylan Cease is available at an affordable price that they deem as for them, maybe they go dabbling with that. I just don't envision them seeing seeing them going and getting a Lucas Giolito or a Shohei Otani as much as the the media pushes the fact that you want them to. Um, I just don't see them grabbing a rental at this point in time. They're, they're not ready. Right. Like this, they're still building. And that's the scariest part is they're not ready yet. They're not peaked. Gunner's in his first year. Adley's in a, been up for a year and a half. We haven't seen a ton of the other guys that they've sprinkled in. Right. Colton Kowser just made his debut and he hasn't exactly been playing every day. Uh, Jordan Westberg's been up and down. We obviously see Jackson Holiday's continuing to swing it in double A. He's probably going to be a big leaguer before we know it. Um, you know, obviously they just took Enrique Bradfield. He could probably play defense in the big leagues tomorrow. So there's still a long way to go. Kobe Mayo has been an absolute stud this year before the, the Orioles get where they need to be. Don't be surprised if they're aggressive this off season though. I, I wouldn't be surprised if they might move some prospect capital to pick up a big name starting pitcher, depending on who's available. But this front office is smart. They know what they're doing. They know how valuable those prospects are, and they're not going to just dump any of them out there for a rental when they know that they're still a couple arms away from being a true elite contender. Yeah, I mean, I don't. well said. I don't have much more to add other than I think when you look at how impressive the roster you know, an organizational building has been, it's the fact that when you go into an offseason, when you don't have multiple holes to – like. You can say, go spend money. It only has to be on starting pitching. We know you can develop and find relievers. You're going to have Yenier Cano and, and, and Felix Bautista in the back end of that bullpen. Next year, we're, you're probably gonna, you can probably call up two more guys or you'll have two more guys in that bullpen that we haven't heard of, just like last year um, and this year where they're going to be nasty and they're, and they're going to be locked down in the back end. You don't really need position player help. You have a million young guys. You have guys like Cedric Mullins. You have guys like Ryan O'Hearn who have been unbelievable for you. Anthony mm -hmm. Santander, unbelievable for you. So then you just like go get a couple guys to start that are a little bit better than the guys you have this year. And your World Series window is open. And it can stay open for as long as those guys stay healthy and continue to perform. They've set themselves up in such good shape. I wouldn't be surprised also if next year in the middle of the year they start to, to – to follow in the Braves' footsteps and you start to see some team-friendly long-term contracts from these young position players. Yeah, that would be that would be huge, and that would be huge for Baltimore. I mean, it's – yeah, I, I hope so. Let's just put it that way. I hope I hope they're proactive with that. I mean, you mentioned it. I, I think all signs point to Gunnar Henderson being one of the best 
players in baseball at this point in time. I think he's the best rookie in baseball right now. Um, I, I just really think that he's, I've always been high on Gunnar Henderson. So don't give me that look. Um, wow, I've been high on had a great Henderson. year. I know he's been, he's had a great year, but I, <laughs> I just, I've always, we haven't seen Corbin Carroll struggle yet. We right? have not. There hasn't been that, that adjust readjust and, and maybe Corbin Carroll's immune to that. I don't believe that because I don't think there's, anyone only been is. What, there's only been like two guys in our lifetime that have been immune to that struggle. It's Mike Trout and Juan Soto. Um, and there's the adjust readjust. Right. And, and we haven't seen that gunner came out slow. He's adjusted and he looks like a burgeoning superstar and he has phenomenal hair. We'll head out West <laughs> too. Uh, one of the things that stood out to me recently is shocker. The San Diego Padres t- aren't taking advantage of their opportunities. The Arizona Diamondbacks are two and eight in their last 10. They're starting to struggle with the young guys that they have. They've lost their last four. The San Francisco Giants are five and five in their last 10. They've lost their last five. And the Los Angeles Dodgers are starting to pull away with that division a little bit. Obviously, they're super talented, but the San Diego Padres sit there still 10 games back, still six games back behind the Giants and Diamondbacks. It's going to be tough decisions for AJ Prowler and company. Obviously, you don't want to just like you are one good month away with the talent that they have from making a run at it, right? From being back in contention as it stands right now. They are currently six games back of the wild card, and both of those teams are teams like the San Francisco Giants and Arizona Diamondbacks, who you don't necessarily buy into the hype. The one team that's ahead of them that you probably say in the wild card race that is going nowhere is the Philadelphia Phillies. Other than that, you have the Miami Marlins and the Chicago Cubs, who I don't think anybody's circling at this point in time as surefire contenders. So all they have to do is gain gain those games on San Fran. You're one good weekend away in division from cutting that, that spread in half, but they're going to have to make some decisions. They have about an eight-day window to make those decisions. They have about an eight-day window to see how aggressive they want to be. It'll be interesting to see what decisions they make. Something's not working out there. Something didn't work last year out there. They still made the playoffs, and they still made the NLCS. I wouldn't put it past this group for, to do the same thing, but they got to start winning ball games at some point. Yeah, I don't see it happening for him. I think we've just gotten too late now. I don't I don't think A.J. Preller should trade Juan Soto. I think he should do whatever it takes to try and get a deal done. But clearly something's wrong. And, and I obviously had the chance to really lock, on, lock in on them for four days when they were in Philly um, to come out of the All-Star break. And they needed to come out with their hair on fire, right, because they needed to make up the ground. And everyone continues to say, just wait, just wait. This roster's too talented. People like me are tired of waiting here. We're a week out from the trade deadline, and you saw it in that series. That bullpen is just too it, – it's it's bad. It's a really bad bullpen. Um, and and I don't know if, if A.J. Preller can do enough to really make it flip. And, and honestly, just real quick on the whole here, because I know we're running out of time, but the, the National League playoff picture on the whole is really what's kind of stood out to me because it's been a lot of back and forth, and you're starting to see – a lot of these games matter, and teams, you know, are starting to scoreboard watch or getting big matchups. I mean, the Reds in Arizona this weekend was big. The Reds, who had gotten beat down by the Brewers right out of the break, then make up the ground. They sit a half game back uh, of the division. They're they're ahead in the wild card now because they just swept the 
the Diamondbacks, the Giants, Phillies, and Marlins all had a really rough weekend. Um, and, and so it's starting to get interesting. And we're going to see, you know, what's interesting to me, I think, you know, you could argue that, you know, the Phillies offense, Brandon Marsh is the only guy in the Phillies all, on, in the Phillies everyday lineup that's OPSing over 800. Like they, they have a lot of problems that the pitching staff, which has been, you know, much better than you would expect, especially guys like Tywin Walker, who's really since the, the the middle of May performed more like a three or a two than he has a four. They've kind of outperformed and kept the Phillies in it. It's going to be who's going to make the moves at the deadline in the National League to you know solidify their position, and, and you would expect Dave Dombrowski to be a guy to do that. Some of those other GMs, I'm not sure if you know if, if the Reds are ready to go all in, the Diamondbacks, the Giants, the Marlins. There's other teams hovering in that picture which then could, I guess, theoretically open the door for the Padres. Um, but then, and, then, and then it's funny, like you said, surprise, surprise, look at the Dodgers. The Dodgers are now 16 games over 500. They look like they might start pulling away in that division, just like we, we, we all thought at the beginning of the year, but it took them a little bit of while to, to get going. But, you know, this, this week is huge. And, you know, to push GMs one way or the other is going to be a huge week. And, and then you obviously have the deadline and you, and you have to play the rest of the way. But this is kind of one of the biggest weeks in baseball, especially in that National League where the playoff picture is so clouded. Yeah, it's definitely less uh, less clear than the, than the AL um, and being able to see how that unfolds. And, and that's why I think a lot of people do hold on hope for the Padres to make a run here is just because that there is so much unclear in that moment, you know, of, of where we're sit right now. I mean, do you trust those teams? They've been great stories ahead of them, but back of the baseball card tells me that, that offense led by Manny Machado, Juan Soto, Xander Bogarts, Fernando Tatis and, and company is, is going to, to play a little bit better over the course of the next couple calendar months. But at what point do we just give up on that? Well, and, and they could they could they could hold Pat, and he could wait around for that run, not mortgage and you know, not trade off any pieces, hold where they're at, and just say, let's see what we can do with this roster that we thought at the beginning of the year was good enough. If it doesn't work out, we hadn't played good enough all year. We'll we'll reevaluate in the offseason. If it does work out, then look, you're in the playoffs again, and you went on a run here with a roster that we all thought was good enough. I just don't know. Everybody needs bullpen help. Are they, if you're, put yourself in A.J. Preller's shoes. If you're six games out come the eve of the trade deadline, you're still four to five games under 500. Are you going to outbid a team for one or two relievers? Do you really, like, is that really it? That's their biggest hole, right? Like it's a biggest, what bat are you going to go get to plug into this lineup, right? And that's my, like, yeah. That's one of the things that I look at a couple of these teams, the Phillies being another one of them, is like you're paying Trey Turner, Kyle Schwarber, Bryce Harper, and Nick Castellanos, and JT Realmuto, those five guys, to all OPS under 800. What bat are you going to get that's going to rescue that offense? At some point, like you said, those guys – so then if you're if you're in a situation where you're five to six games under 500 or five to six games, seven games out of the wild card, is a reliever – going to push you if you're the Padres over the hump that you're going to go outbid when every team that's in contention needs a bullpen arm. Yeah, that's Probably kind not. Of the, no. and, and that's what makes it fun. Cause those are the decisions that have to be made. Yeah. No, it'll be interesting to see, to see how they handle it and, and where they sit and, 
I mean, obviously how they handle the, the Juan Soto, Blake Snell, Josh Hader situation of all those guys that are potential free agents. I mean, this team without Blake Snell right now, they'd be bad. And Josh they'd Hader's be really bad. sub one. Yeah, I like, mean, if you trade <laughs> if they and if they go sell route like your point, and they trade Snell and Hader, then they just evaporate. Because you Darvish, we we didn't like that contract when he signed it. It looks bad. Uh, Musgrove hasn't been able to stay on the mound when he has. He hasn't been great. Snell's been borderline Cy Young worthy here the last mm-hmm. two months. Um, phenomenal, phenomenal. Uh, yeah, it's interesting, and and the kind of the 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 floor's falling out from underneath Seth Lugo a little bit. Um, they're just it's, I mean, and then like the Mets are in a similar situation. And it's yeah, also it's pretty funny that Ali Marmel's club showed life for the first time this last couple of weeks. You know, they swept the Marlins. They they had a hard fought series with the Cubs. Um, ended up getting swept by the Cubs, so it wasn't as hard fought as we as I initially had thought when you know those games were tight. But that club was like, hey, they finally showed life just a little too late, just enough to make me happy and pass the Pirates in the division. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, seriously. Well, I see you got one question on here, so so ask ask away unless you want to cover it on a different day. Yeah, no, just real quick, and then this this we're definitely going to dive into this topic later. We've talked about it, but just off the t- I keep racking my brain about this off the top of your head. Answer this in like ten seconds. Is this the is this Braves offense the best offense you can remember watching? In this run scoring environment, yes, because I think the only one that's comparable are the 2018-2019 Houston Astros teams, and obviously the cheating scandal, but more the 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 ball we were playing with. The I ball, mean, you, yeah. you look back at the home run totals that that guys had, and yeah, I mean they have twelve guys. I looked it up, so this is not a ten second answer. Twelve guys that are OPS plusing over a hundred, so twelve guys that are above 12. league average. 12 guys, um, one twenty-one. 12 guys, they have an eight, <laughs> eight thirty-nine OPS as a team. And all that's to say like, yes, Acuna has been just an absolute lightning rod, but like, this isn't like Aaron judge carrying the boys. No, this is everybody. Like, this is everybody. Um, everybody's been good. Orlando Arcia has probably been the surprise that nobody saw coming. Oz, obviously, Ozzy Albies is as dynamic as ever. Matt Olson's arguably as productive as Freddie Freeman. He just does it in a little bit of a different way. Michael Harris has had a down year, and he's just had the slack picked up on him by guys like Marcelo Zuna and, and Ronald Acuna, um, who have come back and, and been more like the players that they were, the back of the baseball card, and, and Ronald Acuna is the most dynamic player in the game. So, yeah, I mean, as it stands right now, I would say, at least in our lifetime, you know, we didn't see, obviously, the big red machine, and and um, I'm not going to go as far back as the the, uh, freaking, <laughs> the the bread delivery men that the murderer's row was playing. Um, but at least the 96 Yankees had a good offense, those teams like that. Um, but, yeah, I mean, in the environment that we're in, this is a team that, you know, will get in the weeds on, on why they might be doing what they do. But, uh yeah, as of right now, I'd say other than the 2018 Astros where it just felt like they were cheating, um, which obviously came out that they were, um, this is uh, this is the best offense we've seen. You bring up bread delivery men. Do you think Joe Potts could have struck out Joe DiMaggio? <laughs> Before arm surgery or after arm surgery? <laughs> He was throwing without a UCL. You knew that. 
he told everybody <laughs> that. Um, I would probably err on the side of, of no, but as much as I wanted to say yes, because I, you know, I saw a video today of that people still act like Babe Ruth did anything in, in baseball compared to Dude, Shohei Otani. Did you see the graphic going around of the longest home runs in MLB history? Babe Ruth hit a ball 575 feet. I saw the funniest part of that was the funniest part of that was I saw somebody quote tweet it and go, yeah, when we started having lasers that could track every movement on the field, people stopped hitting home runs over 500 feet consistently. Yeah, exactly. Like the, like now that we have, like, I could just imagine this right now. And it like, this is like full little league. Like I could see some guy going out and being like, well, every step is three, uh, three feet. So like, I'm going to pace it out to where the ball landed and, Somehow, you know, telephone game style, it, it turns into 570 feet from some guy taking, you know, 56 steps from the right field corner to find the find the gamer that that Babe Ruth hit, um, and just yeah, like come on now, come on now. It's like we didn't even have tape measures back then, probably. Like, did did we even really know what? Like, were rulers invented back then? Like, honestly, like, did some we even guys, know what a real foot was? Some guy stood at home plate and took a hundred and ninety-two steps to figure out that it was a five hundred seventy-five foot homer. Yeah, he lost count at sixty-four, eighty-six, one hundred two. Um, he added five one time, subtracted to another. Skip the skip the ten on another, um, and uh, next thing you know, Babe Ruth hit a ball five hundred fifty feet. That's how that's how that unfolded, and I'm pretty sure it happened in in Wilkesbury, Pennsylvania, as well. Um, is 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 the more, rumor and more there's, likely there's to have sign. happened? Before we get out, we do have to get out of here. But the more likely to have happened, Wilt Chamberlain scored a hundred points that no one has any footage of, or Babe Ruth hit a ball five hundred seventy five feet. Wilt Chamberlain scored a hundred. I'm with you. Uh, I'm with you because. <laughs> Again, as as the person said on Twitter, when we got lasers that can really track how fast people run and how hard balls are thrown and how efficient everybody moves, that's when we magically stopped hitting balls 550 feet. Just magically. It just magically – not to mention the fact that the balls are better than they've ever well, been. They're not say, recycling they also... pool balls. The, the wood that we use is actually real wood. I can imagine what tree bark Babe Ruth was hitting with. Like he probably yanked it off the tree and then went out there and hit with a cigar in his mouth off of a guy throwing 67. Like it, no, he didn't hit a ball. Like – Maybe, maybe 450 feet. Maybe. I'll give it They legitimately them. called it the dead ball era. Yeah, like they were probably <laughs> using like Water balls logs. of string. Like it was probably like like literally like you go into your grandma's house and, and there is a ball of string that she uses and you're Commit. just like playing with it. <laughs> And that's what they hit with back then. And yes, like you, if I tried to hit that thing, it would go 76 feet. <laughs> so no, he didn't hit one 550 feet. Uh, 575. Don't chip it. it was. I'm, I'm not giving credit for uh, – sorry, I forgot to carry the one um, when I added up how many steps the <laughs> guy took from, the, from home play. Um, but thank you to all our listeners for tuning in as that will conclude our episode for today. Make sure you're subscribing to the podcast on all podcast platforms, including Apple Pods, Spotify, and anywhere you find your podcast. 
make sure you're subscribing in the YouTube channels. We post a lot of shorter form content on there. We post episodes every Monday, Wednesday, Friday, always hitting your feet at 7 a.m. sharp. Don't forget to follow us on Twitter at BacksideGB, Instagram at BacksideGroundBalls, and TikTok at BacksideGroundBall. And most importantly, we've mentioned this a couple times today, make sure you're sharing with five friends, and we'll see you next time on the Backside Ground Balls podcast.